I always tell my team, we got to have an em- employee value proposition for why Periton, but that's going to be different for each person you talk to. And if you don't know who you're talking to, you may dig in and sell on the wrong areas. PTO is not important to you. I probably shouldn't poke that as one of the areas that we do really good at. I should probably find out what makes the most sense to you and what works best for you to make the decision. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull, and on this show, we interview today's industry leaders in talent acquisition to discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you are working in talent acquisition and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, well, this show is the next best thing. Join us each week as we bring you a new expert interview and extract their expertise. This episode is brought to you by Sagemark HR. Transform your recruiting practices with leading-edge technology. Selecting the right recruiting solutions to enable your strategy is one of the biggest challenges leaders face today. You know technology will help, but searching all the options to find out what will work best for your specific needs can be both overwhelming and time-consuming. At Sagemark HR, we make selecting the right recruiting technology easy. Our proven process has helped companies such as 3M, Comcast, Stryker, Walgreens, and many more. Reach out to us at Sagemark HR for a free consultation to learn how we can help you improve results with less stress and confidently change from reacting to leading. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dull. Today, I have a conversation with Aaron Turner. Aaron is the Senior Director of Talent Acquisition with Paraton. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Let's start out, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your background, how you got started in talent acquisition, maybe a couple roles that you've had leading up to your current role at Periton. I went to college on a football scholarship, thought I was going to play in the NFL, got to college, realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was or hoped I was. And all through that coming out, I, I knew that I couldn't sit and do a task over and over again. I knew I couldn't sit still too long. And, you know, I still had that competitive nature. So I had a friend who I played football with, whose dad owned a staffing firm at the time, who said, hey, come here. You can make good money. You can talk to people. Every day is a little bit different. And I started doing that probably while I was still in college in the mid to late 90s and just loved it. And we went from a staffing firm. The owner was a service-disabled veteran. Through the dot-com boom, we moved from staffing into government contracting. So I've done everything from a recruiter, a salesperson, an HR person. I've led programs. I've done financial reconciliation. I got to do a lot of it, which all together led me to understand the business a little bit more, where I think a lot of times we all sit there and wonder, why is this hiring manager doing this? Why is this finance director saying no? And it helps me to understand a little bit of it, which has grown me through my career from lead to manager to director to senior director. And I think leading people is interesting. I think we all want to do it. We all think it's a cool job. I I don't know. I I probably had the impression earlier in my career, it was an easier job that you move (laughs) into these roles and you do less, which I think you find out over time that's not necessarily the truth and all the bad stuff usually rolls up the hill before it goes down it. And I can control what I do. And then now I have a team of about 30 with managers and recruiters. And 
I can't control everything they do. It's uncomfortable for me because I can say, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, but you can't say that for other people. And that's been the hardest part learning on the fly, especially as your teams get bigger. Everyone's a little bit different, which is why you want them on the team. And then managing and driving people who are also different becomes the difficult part, even though it's the great part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's talk a little bit about your current role at, at Paraton. If you wouldn't mind, share a little bit about the business and, and, and what you do. You already mentioned you have about 30 people on your team. Maybe share a little bit about how many roles you fill and the type of roles and, and things like that too, just to provide some scope and, and things for the listening audience. Sure. So Paraton is about just north of $8 billion a year. We're a government contracting firm that focuses on missions of consequence. Think anything that affects the livelihood of the nation and the people within it. If I had to sit here and say, this is what we specialize in, there's a lot of stuff. We're pretty much soup to nuts. We do a little bit of everything. But if I had to break it down and say data and engineering are probably at the core of most of everything, my team's about 30. Our overall TA team at Paraton is about 130, which includes recruiting coordinators, sourcing, recruiters, and the management team. So we do have a large staff. We're starting to roll out some new stuff with recruitment, marketing, and data analytics so we can tell the story and understand what that story is and how we got there so the data means something. We support mostly all government agencies, both state, local, and at government level. And we do CONUS and OCONUS. We have tons of different locations. We have over 1,200 different programs and contracts that we support. And with those comes different complexities, different types of skills and different types of roles. Okay, great. Let's chat. Maybe if you want to go over a couple initiatives or projects or, or things that your team has led, um, challenges that maybe were overcome in, in the last couple of years, that would be great if you're willing to share anything. Sure. Some of the big stuff we've had going from the old world right after post-pandemic, if we're actually post-pandemic, all the salaries were driving up, which were driving talent up, which is tough in a world where you're government contracting. You have set rates that could have been set five years ago, but you're also setting the future and what your internal equity is like. So that was just a struggle within itself. Some of our other stuff, we do a, a program where we work with the agencies to actually get the people who do background investigation. So it's not high level technical work, it's more functional type work and it's driven by the need and volume for people to get through the clearance process, which during the pandemic, no one was in person. It was a lot easier to call and do background investigations and references on people. Now that we've come back, that the agency that supports that wants it all done in person, which in the past, that would have been a lot easier because everyone sat in the same office. If I was going to meet with all your ex-coworkers, I go to one office and hit three or four of them. Now, most of these people are remote. So now you have to go to homes that are situated differently. And when that group alone, we do a High level volume of hiring, one, because it's a six to seven week process to get the clearance, then get through training before they even start. So people do fall out through that process. It's their SCA level roles. So there's a high fallout number and attrition within those types of programs. So the numbers we have to hire continue to go up. We're one of the only companies that actually trains these people and brings in entry-level people. So what that means is that everyone comes and farms and poaches from us because we're the ones developing them. Otherwise, we're just stealing back and forth. And you know, it's fun strategizing around high volume as opposed to hard, high-level tech skills that going after chasing something that may not even exist. These people exist. We know they are. And it's more about the personality and can a person do the role and then 
making them understand what the role is. And some of the harder part is you get recruiters and they want to fill roles and attrition is an issue. If we don't get the right people that don't understand the roles, we have more people leaving the back door coming in the front door. We're not really making any progress. So that's been a big one we're working on and continue to work on. There's other programs where the technologies and skills are becoming a little bit harder to find, whether we're doing cleared work. So they have to sit in the skiff and these technical people can go on the commercial side now, make more money, sit from home and do way cooler stuff that they can actually talk about where I'm saying, hey, come take this job, sit in a room with no windows. And guess what? You can't tell any of your friends or family what you do because it's classified. Some people are in it for the mission and what it does. And other people want the technology and the flexibility of life to go as they please, which makes it a hard sell. And I think how we sell to people, I always tell my team, we got to have an employee value proposition for why Periton, but that's going to be different for each person you talk to. And if you don't know who you're talking to, you may dig in and sell on the wrong areas. PTO is not important to you. I probably shouldn't poke that as one of the areas that we do really good at. I should probably find out what makes the most sense to you and what works best for you to make the decision. Yeah, tailoring it to the job and, and the individual for sure. So looking at that and the nature of the level of screening that you have to do compared to others in the TA space, obviously a lot more goes into what you're doing. If you wouldn't mind, whatever you can share around, how do you vet candidates for that particular job fit, knowing A, the requirements of the job and the nature of the job, things like that. I'm sure that you have put in some rigor into your process to get that fit right. So you avoid that costly turnover that you were talking about, especially with that long upfront process of onboarding and getting the clearances and things like that. We use the typical bullion strings to look for keywords and skills that we're looking for, which only gets you half of the way there. Then the screening and making sure that people understand the role that you really have. And me personally, I've always taken it like you want to share the negative because there are going to be negative. These people are going to find it day one and you don't want them to leave day 30 because they were sold a bag of goods that when they came in, it wasn't what it was. I think some of it's assessing that. Working with hiring managers, the best resume is usually not the best person. The best person usually doesn't even need a resume, so they don't spend a whole lot of time on it. They're getting referred and pulled in by people they've worked before who trust them and know them. And the best resume, there's probably someone who spent a whole lot of time on their resume because they couldn't get the right job they needed on their own. So, and that's not 100% accurate all the time, but I always tell people they can't look at it. It's each book's got a different cover and beneath those pages is something new, just like people can interview and then not do the job when they get on it, just like people get nervous in interviews and looking past that and figuring out ways to screen in, not screen out. And I always say for me personally, if the worst thing you have to do is let someone go be in a reduction in force or performance issue. And whenever you have to do that, even if it's the right thing for the team, it's still hard to do because in some sense, you as a leader failed when you have to do that. So looking at that coming in and how are we going to be successful together and Two of the biggest issues that we have in our screening, why people leave, it's they want more money and they want career development. The biggest issue is everyone wants someone to hit the ground running and do the job today. Well, you've perpetrated the problem you've already had because you're bringing them into a job they've already done. So you're either going to overpay for them or you're going to have to overstimulate them somehow. And 
Nobody thinks of that day one. They just want the right person who they don't have to lead and manage. So I used to make the comment, well, if we hire all the perfect people for your team, we don't need you anymore. And what are you going to develop and grow if everyone's perfect at their job? So I think looking at that through the whole interview process and thinking ahead can help you to minimize some of the risks that you'll have in the future, but not all of it. Everything changes. People change. How we deal with stuff is always going to be different. And life happens too. So you can't even prepare for everything that might come up. Yeah, that's great. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about maybe some of the challenges that you see in the next year or two, or some of the initiatives that you're looking at from this point forward that you're looking to drive with your team. I think some of the challenges, it's funny. The biggest challenge, I said I spent the first 10, 15 years of my career complaining that I didn't have tools and resources to use and spent the last 10 or 15 trying to convince my teams to actually use them to the capabilities that they offer. That goes with technology. It's I always say it's one of the greatest and worst things that's happened to TA because yes, we can go out there and do these AI and ML and we can email and we can chat GPT and we can do all this. And half the time, I don't know if anyone ever picks up a phone anymore and actually communicates clearly and concisely with people. And I think a lot gets mixed. So I think that's the biggest gap I'm working with my team is clear, concise communications. Um, we, when you work in a company the size of Periton or bigger, there's people that are a part of approval process that you have to get sign-offs on stuff. And we assume they all understand what I understand about my programs. And I'm like, you have one BU that sits under a sector. We have four sectors, 20 some BUs. There's 1,200 contracts. What you know about your two contracts you support, the VP of whatever may not have that understanding. So you have to be clear in one that's going to help everyone understand where we are, why we're making the decision. It's going to make it quicker too, instead of complaining that so-and-so took so long, you didn't give them any of the backstory. So now they have to go dig and figure it out on their own. And it's funny because I think it's an easier issue than saying, hey, we're going to have a hard time finding technologists that we need because the technology's not out there. Technology's out there. There's people that love it, want to do it. I think not that it's easy to find, but you can find that. I think how we go about working internally, the communications and collaboration we have is the biggest gap that we have. And I hate working remote. I'm 100% remote. So this comes from the opposite side of it. I think there's a huge gap there too. I know that as someone old like me, I have relationships that I built. Most of them were built in an office. The hardest thing to do sitting remote is to find your next job. Every when you go to and meet at the coffee cooler or the water cooler. You have these conversations that you might have or even walking out of an actual conference room, you'd have conversations in the hallway. Now I hit leave and I'm done with that call and I'm on to the next one, which is usually specifically related to the job I'm doing today. So how we give more opportunities for growth and development when we're not able to build these relationships and learn the people who are not directly working with, I think is something that companies can have problems with. I see it all the time. Hey, you're making people come into the office, you're cutting out half of the workforce, which I don't disagree with, but I think the hybrid work area where you can actually talk and meet in person, the, the rapport you develop that way is far greater than anything you can do online. Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to both. And most organizations are spending a lot of time and energy and thought around how to navigate this space between in the office, fully remote, hybrid, if hybrid, how much. And you definitely, you touched on some things that are definitely the cons of it, of building those actual face-to-face relationships and those unscripted conversations that occur in a setting like that around teamwork and people describe, right? 
culture is what happens when nobody's watching and you lose some of those elements when you just hit leave and there is no other interaction kind of thing. And so the corporate culture of every organization has to be far more deliberate than to actually build that out. So you've raised some really good points and those are definitely some challenges. How about if you look at the audience that we have is a, a lot of TA professionals or those that are interested in talent acquisition. You've had a lot of experience and unique experience in TA. What are some things that you would provide to the audience as some guidance or recommendations on talent acquisition? I love to win, but I hate losing even more. And it's funny in talent acquisition, but it keeps us driving us, but don't ever assume things. Raise your hand and ask the questions. There's so many acronyms and stuff that people throw out. And I think people are afraid to say, what does that mean? But it means a lot if you don't know what it means, because it could steer you in the wrong direction. So don't be afraid to ask the question. Raise your hand and get involved in stuff. The more involvement you get, the more awareness you have with what and who you're doing it with, the easier it is going to be to do your job. And I think that's the important part. And we can go back to technology. So I say, hey, recruiter's favorite ATS is usually the last one they use. No one likes the one they're on today. They miss the one they knew and understood. And I think use it to your advantage and bad data in, bad data out. So make sure that the good data is going in so you can use it again in the future. And one of the other things that I started early in my career, I was like, you know what? I'm going to build pipelines. And everyone's like, you want to have ready now pipelines. And what doesn't exist because if you can't hire them now, you can't really pipeline someone that's looking for a job now for later, but build your networks and always have those conversations. Having started in the staffing side, I take every meeting or call that anyone puts on, reaches out to me at LinkedIn. And sometimes it gets overwhelming and I'm like, why do I do this? But I've built so many relationships, met so many great people that I never would have met otherwise. And they all become a part of my network when I need help or need something. They'll remember that and they can help you. And when you're in talent acquisition, the one thing we always need is help because if I don't have jobs to fill, I probably don't have a job of my own. So I'm always in need of help and building those relationships. You don't build a relationship when you need something from someone, you build it when you don't and they need something from you. I think always take advantage of it and look at it from that angle. No, that's great advice. I always say to my kids, like we're put on this earth to help others. And so it's always good to hear that. And I share that sentiment. And absolutely, it's always feels really a lot more rewarding to give than to receive a lot of times. And especially in the TA world where we're helping other people fill jobs or helping other people land jobs or making those connections. There's a lot of that reward from really helping people. So it's good to hear you doing that. Just selfishly, that's why I started this podcast is just to help other people in the space and provide guidance and assistance and stories and journeys that that hopefully help them uh, develop a point of view and thoughts about their own career that can help. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate that value set that you shared. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you sharing your journey here. And thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure, Ryan. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Talent Acquisition Leaders Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share the episode with your network. Ready to transform your recruiting practices with leading edge technology, just like our other clients at 3M, Comcast, Stryker, and Walgreens? Then reach out at sagemarkhr.com for a free consultation.